first instruction coming from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12, if you wish to follow with me, is on page 877 of the Psalter Hymnal. Eight, page 877, Lord's Day 12, we'll be reading questions and answers 31 and 32. Questions would speak of Christ's three offices, a prophet, priest, and king. And because we belong to Christ, we are also prophets, priests, and kings. Question answer 31. Why is he, Jesus, called Christ, meaning anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance. Our only high priest, who has delivered us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually intercedes for us before the Father. And our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the deliverance he has won for us. But you, why are you called a Christian. Because by faith I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for eternity. We are prophets in Christ, anointed to confess his name. Confess his name in church by the profession of our faith, but confess the name of Christ by our testimony, evangelism in this world. The scriptures call us to give an answer for the hope we have. And because we are prophets in Christ, we can give an answer. We can testify and confess the name of Jesus Christ. Turning to our scriptures then for the reading of God's word. Two scripture readings beginning in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 40. Page 1089 of your pew Bible. Page 1089. Reading of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Story you probably know well, even the children read it in Sunday school and Bible stories, story we love. It's here again, the word of our God, the story of how God saves an Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before a shearer, 
is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way, rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Conversion of a eunuch. 700 years earlier, prophet Isaiah told of these conversions of the eunuchs. We read this in Isaiah chapter 56, our second reading. Isaiah chapter 56, page 732. Prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 56. I'll be reading the first eight verses. Hear then this prophecy of our Lord. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord, say, The Lord will surely separate me from the, his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigner who join, who join themselves to the Lord, to minister him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples." The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's soon Christmas. And Christmas is a wonderful time of year for many reasons. It's a wonderful time of year because it's a wonderful time to evangelize. It's a wonderful time of the year to tell people about Jesus. We're singing about Jesus and the carols. We give out Christmas cards with Bible verses on them. They talk about Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the child Jesus, the Son of God Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. 
The Christmas carols speak of him. This is a wonderful time, brothers and sisters, to share the good news, to evangelize. And so this afternoon, we want to be taught about evangelism, particularly personal evangelism, and to be inspired by the example of our servant, Philip the Evangelist, to learn how to evangelize even as Philip evangelized. But before you can evangelize like Philip, you need to be like the eunuch. You need to be like the eunuch who comes to worship God, who loves to read the scriptures, who wants to be guided and taught how to understand the scriptures, who asks to be baptized, to live out his baptism. And then as a child, a son of God, he goes on his way, joyful to belong to the family of God. Brother and sister, are you like the eunuch? You're baptized. Do you rejoice to know Jesus? Do you rejoice to go on your way belonging to the family of God? Each of us needs to be like the eunuch. Because you are like the eunuch, brothers and sisters, because you are like the eunuch walking with your God, you can evangelize like Philip. You can evangelize like our brother, the evangelist Philip. So let's spend some time looking at Philip. According to one commentator, Philip is an ideal missionary Christian. An ideal missionary Christian. There's so much to learn from him. And so as you see in your bulletin, there's seven points. As one brother said, I'm going to bring an extra roll of peppermints for this afternoon. Seven points, seven lessons, seven lessons about personal evangelism. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, this is a teaching sermon, but I encourage you to take a few of these lessons and apply them in your personal life. Seven lessons that we can learn about how to evangelize. So the first lesson, on your desert road, seek at least one person. On your desert road, seek at least one person. You need to understand Philip was living, working in Samaria, if you read the beginning of chapter 8. He was working in Samaria as a missionary, and he had crowds of people listening to him. And then he's told in verse 28, 26 of our reading, by an angel to go out on the road that leads down to Gaza. And it highlights, it's a desert place. Who do you expect to see on a deserted road? No one. But then we read, he went, and there was an Ethiopian. The text in Greek is written to make us surprised that he actually met someone on this deserted road. A text that reminds us that even in the most unexpected places, God may prepare someone to hear the gospel and be converted. So maybe in your own life, maybe your life is like a deserted road. It's, you don't have a lot of contact with people during the week. You're a stay-at-home mom. You're retired, shut in. Not a lot of contact with a lot of people. Or if you do have contact with people, they're all committed Christians. You work for a company, worked owned by a Christian, hires Christians, and everyone's a committed Christian. Not too many people to evangelize here. But maybe when you look at those that you meet week to week, you might be able to identify one, two, three people 
who are not Christians, don't actively live the faith. They're the people, one, two, or three, that the Lord has placed on your road, on your path, and you need to pray for them. You need to ask the Lord to give you an opportunity, an open door, to share something of the gospel with them. But maybe your road is deserted, not in the sense that there's no one there, but there's no one there who's interested. I mean, there's a lot of people in your life, a lot of non-Christians. You meet them in your work, in your neighborhoods. And, but the people you meet, they have no interest in learning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sure, they're interested in spirituality. Anything spiritual is interesting, but to listen to the scriptures being read... To listen to the scriptures being taught, to hear about Jesus as the only Savior, no, they're not interested in that. And it's true, we live in a society where most people, no thank you, good for you, not good for me. So we live on a deserted road in a a metaphorical sense. And yet, if you look and are attentive, there is that one person that you meet and they're interested. They want to learn. They want to read the Bible. They're willing to be taught. And it is so precious. It is so precious to meet them. That one person doesn't seem like a lot, but brothers and sisters, let us remember the Good Shepherd. For one lost sheep, he left everything to go find it. And so let us be inspired, brothers and sisters, by Philip the Evangelist, following the lead of the Spirit of the angel, for one sinner to know Christ. On your deserted road, seek at least one person. Second lesson for us, be attentive to the Spirit's direction. Be attentive to the Spirit's direction. I wouldn't say listen to the Spirit's direction, obey the Spirit's direction. But here I need to give a bit of an explanation. I'm not talking about revelation or special revelation. I'm talking about God's providence. Second of all, the sermon I'm developing here is a teaching of an example to develop. But I could also preach this text as a part of God's redemptive history. Let me develop that first. I could go through this text that we have before us and look at it as a part of God's redemptive plan, the unfolding of God's redemptive plan. Because the story that we have before us is very unique and very important in God's plan of redemption, particularly its missionary work. This is the conversion of the first non-Jew that we read in scriptures. The first pagan or Gentiles, depending on your translation. And what we see here is that the Lord is directing the expansion of his mission from the Jews to the non-Jews. God is directly intervening through angels and the Holy Spirit to convince the apostles and the evangelists like Philip that this is indeed his work to preach the gospel to the non-Jews and the pagans. What we have here in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is like the story of Cornelius. You read in Acts chapter 10 and 11 a Gentile Roman soldier that Peter was called to and preached to. 
And again, if you read Acts 10 and 11, you see the number of times there was a dream and a vision of the, of the nap. Sorry, I got the French word that came down. Came down from the heavens, the net, the angels who called, the spirit who spoke. Because as the gospel goes forth, God is going to initiate, he's going to push even his apostles and his evangelists to go preach the gospel, not just to the Jews, but to the non-Jews. This is the Lord's leading. And so if we come back to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, this is an extraordinary conversion. Extraordinary. It's the first non-Jew, yes. But it's also a eunuch. A man who's been castrated. Ask your parents about that one at home. According to Deuteronomy chapter 23, 1, eunuchs were not permitted to be in the temple of God. They were excluded. This eunuch came from Ethiopia, what we today call Sudan. That is, he would have been of the black race. The Jews were brown. This is a different race. He was from Ethiopia, more than 1,600 kilometers away, a five-day journey. He is a man from the extremities of the earth. And God is calling him to become a child of God. This is the unfolding of God's plan of redemption, which is already prophesied 700 years ago in Isaiah, as we read in Isaiah chapter 56, that the eunuch would be indeed receive a name of God, a precious name to be called the son and daughter of God, and that the Lord's house, the house, the temple, would be called the house of prayer for all nations. So this story in God's redemption here in Acts chapter 8 is an important step. If you will, the door is cracked open. The door of evangelism and missions and gospel for the nations is cracked open just a bit. And as you continue reading through Acts, it opens more and more and more until the gospel is preached, even to us here in Strathroy. Incredible. We come back to this text here before us that we need to be attentive to the Spirit's direction. As I said, I'm not talking about special revelation. I'm talking about God's providence. In Quebec City, I hang out with a lot of evangelicals and Pentecostals and Charismatics, and they often say to me, oh, the Lord said to me, the Spirit said to me this, and God did this in my life, and God said this to me in my life, and I'm like, cool. Don't quite agree with your theology. It creates confusion. When I say the Lord says, it means I'm reading the Scriptures. This is God's revelation to us. And there is no more special revelation of the Lord, no more word of God that he gave to me. That's special revelation, finally fully given. However, in God's providence, God will direct and lead us. And in God's providence, he will use different means to direct and lead us to do his will, even in personal evangelism. And there we can learn from Philip. It begins with an angel who sends them on his way and not expecting for the Lord to send you an angel. However, in God's providence, I have been doing Muslim evangelism. The mosque that was attacked in Quebec City six years ago is less than a kilometer from our house. And God's opened a door for us to begin to do evangelism amongst them. Reading about Muslim evangelism, many of those who convert to faith in Christ, somewhere along the way, they have a dream of an angel. 
If God in his providence and wisdom decides to use a dream of an angel to bring a Muslim to himself, thanks be to the Lord. But in our daily life, it's often the direction of the Holy Spirit. That spirit, that inner voice, that impulsion that we can have that I need to go talk to someone. I need to say something about my Christian faith. I need to ask a question. The Lord's opening a door for me and I need not resist, but rather I need to speak. That's the direction of the Spirit in our lives. We need to test the spirits, discern the spirits. Is this coming from the spirits or is it my own selfish pride or do I just have an upset stomach? I mean, we need to ask for the Lord's direction, wisdom to discern the work of the spirit. Frequently, we will have this impulsion of the spirit within us as we have evangelism on our hearts that he will indeed show us. You need to speak to this person. You need to ask a question. You need to share something of your personal testimony. It can come in many different ways. Sometimes it's just simply a remark that someone makes. I remember a couple years ago, I was walking down the sidewalk, and I walk fast. Other people walk too slow. Lady was walking ahead of me, so I was busy and rushed, and so I walked past her, and as I walked past her, I said, bonjour, hello. She stopped me. She asked, are you a Christian? I said, yes. She said, that's why you said hello to me. Christians say hello. They greet people, even strangers. Wow. Well, I'm going to start saying hello to a lot of people. This is the beginning of our good light, of our light in the world, of our good works. Spirit opening up a door. Other times it might be an occasion that God gives us as we're talking to a stranger. We just need to sense that oh, there's an opportunity to say something about the gospel. I need to take, lay hold of the occasion. Again, a personal illustration, even from this week, working on a doctorate. Had to go talk to a gentleman from another department, Department of Education, about online teaching. And as I was talking to him for less than an hour, I realized God is opening the door for me to share something about the Christian faith. And I needed to lay hold of it. Now, I didn't present in John 3, verse 16. I didn't lay out the Heidelberg Catechism, sin, grace, and redemption, thanksgiving. But I had an opportunity to say in the Protestant faith, the word of God's teaching is most important because this is where God speaks to us. God gave me that opportunity to say to a professor at Laval University. And in his providence, his co-worker is a Christian and a member of our church. Who knows how the Lord might use that as an opportunity to bring him to faith through the witness of several Christians. And brothers and sisters, even if we are not sure about this direction and impulse of the Spirit within our lives, we certainly have the word of the Spirit in the Scriptures who calls us to make disciples of all nations. Or the two Bible texts that are most important for personal evangelism, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, always be ready to give an answer for the hope you have in Christ. You need to answer for your hope in Christ Jesus. Or again, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, to always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you. Each of the, question, each of the text talks about speaking, answering. And so the scriptures calls you, the spirit calls you, the spirit is working in your life, 
Look for the direction of the Spirit. Be attentive. Listen. Obey. Lay hold of the occasion the Lord gives you. A third lesson from Philip. To go to the person who seems different. Philip was quite a, an evangelist. If you, again, chapter 8, he went to the cities of Samaria. First one of the evangelists and apostles to preach to the Samaritans. You remember, even the children, you remember the Samaritans, how they were despised by the Jews, hated by the Jews, avoided by the Jews. And Philip, the Jew, he goes to the Samaritans, starts preaching the gospel. Obviously, he learned that from Jesus, who spoke to the Samaritan woman by the well. Now the Lord sends him off to the Ethiopian eunuch. You need to understand how different the Ethiopian was. As I mentioned already, he was from Sudan area. He had been of the black race. It's not always easy to go and share the gospel with someone of a different race, ethnicity, is it? We're comfortable with our own. But we need to be those who are willing to go to someone who is black, African, South American, Asian, white, of many different nations, and to say, Lord, if you place them upon my path so that I can speak the gospel to them. The unit came from Ethiopia a long ways away, the extremities of the earth. We have people from the extremities of the earth who are coming into Canada. We call them immigrants. They'll probably be living in your towns. They will be more and more. They are the people that the Lord is bringing into your life. And if they don't know the gospel, you have an opportunity to be a missionary without going to the mission field. But the eunuch was even more different than that. As I mentioned, he was a man who was castrated, deformed, mutilated sexually. Do you know people who are deformed, mutilated sexually in their bodies, suffering from sexually transmitted diseases, or someone who is transgender? If you don't know them yet, prepare yourself. You're going to be meeting them in years to come. People who are mutilated or deformed in their convictions. You can be heterosexual, you can be homosexual, they say, you can be bisexual, do whatever you like. They're deformed in their convictions. People who are deformed in their practices, having an affair, doing pornography, separation, divorce, it's all okay. No problem. We meet them more and more, don't we? They're so different, so far from God. And sometimes we're tempted to say, they'll never want to believe. But we need to be like Philip, willing to go to them, willing to reach out to them. And you may discover, to your great surprise, that they're reading the scriptures. And you might discover, to your great surprise, that they're going to become a brother or a sister in Christ. Brothers and sisters, be like Philip. Go to the person who seems so different. 
Fourth lesson for us from Philip is to ask questions and even to wait for the question. Have you noticed how the way Philip went up there? Verse 30, he ran to the Ethiopian in his chariot. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And then a bit further, verse 34, the eunuch said, asked Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? First time I preached this message, it was in an evangelical church, Baptist. You're probably familiar with Baptists. They are big on evangelism. Very encouraging. But I challenged them here. I said, we talk too much. When you evangelize, you talk too much. We are people of the word, and so when we have an opportunity to talk about Jesus, we start talking, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk. And we haven't realized that the other person isn't listening anymore. Haven't caught their body language that they're looking in the corner and like, I'm hoping you're done. We just keep talking because we got the gospel. We got to get the whole message out. And so they've stopped listening. They probably don't understand. They're not ready to believe. So we probably have to speak less. Ask the question. We need to ask the question to make sure that the person actually wants to hear the message we have to share. Ask the question, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you're reading? It's Christmas there. You give them a Christmas card and the Bible verse in it. And you can ask, do you understand what that Bible verse means? They're listening to Christmas carols and they sing about Jesus who is Emmanuel. Did you hear that? They say Jesus is Emmanuel. Do you understand what Emmanuel means? Ask the question. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading from the prophecy of Isaiah, as it was a custom in those days, he would read out loud because, well, they didn't have any audio books, so they had to read out loud themselves. He read out loud, and Philip knew exactly what he was reading. Do you understand what you're reading? Province of Quebec, there's Catholics, and if they are practicing Catholics, and there's very few, but if they are practicing Catholics, I know what they're reading. Roman Catholics always read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, almost nothing else. So I know what they're reading. I can ask them about it. Better yet, I can direct them to texts that explain the gospel so much better, like Ephesians. Six chapters. Takes up less than an hour to read, and it tells the gospel so clearly. Do you understand what you're reading? Or even ask the question, what do you understand from what you read? How do you understand this text? You need to ask the question, but there's also times to wait for the question. Wait for the question, like Philip did with the eunuch. When he asked him, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? If I was Philip and I heard him reading Isaiah chapter 53, as you know the text, I probably would have gone into a whole speech about the sacrifice and the Lamb of God and the sacrifice in the Old Testament and how Jesus became the Lamb of God, the sacrifice on the cross. But that wasn't the Ethiopian's question. He wasn't there yet. What he wanted to know is, who is he talking about? The prophet Isaiah himself or someone else? Oh, he's talking about someone else. He's talking about Jesus. The message can be taught. Ask questions, but also wait for the question. I've always been encouraged by one of our pastors in Quebec, John Zollner. 
He's been in Quebec for almost 40 years. Lives in Montreal. They lived in a community where they had joined a, a club of adults who went swimming every week. Later, they moved to another part of the city. And rather than joining a new swimming club, they always went back to their first swimming club to keep up contact with these friends. And then one day, one member of their club, a gentleman, businessman, high-placed, white-collar worker, called up John and said, John, I want to take you out for lunch. I got questions. He was going through a crisis in his life. And he sat John down, and he had questions for him about the gospel of Jesus Christ that John could explain. Ask the question, and then wait for the question to know how you can answer and again, brothers and sisters, this is your responsibility in personal evangelism. I, as a pastor and preacher, have to look for opportunities to preach the gospel and go and preach even to those who don't want to hear. But as personal, in personal evangelism, our responsibility is to answer when the question has been asked. Philippians 3, verse 15, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It is an answer in response to a question or a comment. And the door is open for you to share the gospel. Ask the question. Even wait for the question. Finally, fifth lesson. When you do speak, talk about Jesus, not about yourself. Here again, I challenge my Baptist brothers and sisters. Because when they do evangelism, they often give their personal testimony. You probably heard their testimonies, how bad they were before, and then they met the gospel, and then their life changed. Wonderful the way they're saved. Thank the Lord for them. But I challenge them, as I challenge all of us, stop talking about yourself and start talking about Jesus. Listen to Philip, what we read in verse 35. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. He told them the good news about Jesus. In fact, commentators note that this is the climax in the whole story. This is the high point in the whole story where Philip opens the scriptures and starts talking about Jesus. In fact, the Greek word is kind of peculiar here. Literally, it means he gospeled Jesus. He gospeled Jesus. This is the word of truth. And so when we share our testimony, we need to talk about Jesus and not about ourselves. See, it's too easy for us to talk about ourselves and what, how I grew up in a Christian family and I know the scriptures and I was taught in the catechism. I raised in a Christian family and the good things that God has get, given to me in my lives. But put your shoes, you put yourself in the shoes of the non-believer. What do they hear? Well, look at me. I got a great life. It sounds selfish. It may be. We need to talk less about ourselves, brothers and sisters, and talk more about Jesus. It's not look at me, it's look at Jesus. If I can add a lesson here from the example of Philip, talk about Jesus from any scripture text. From any scripture text, we can talk about Jesus. As one commentator says again about this text, Jesus is the key for opening the scriptures. And Philip understood that. He's using a text from the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. And there we can talk about Jesus Christ. Remember the apostles, they had no scriptures. There was no New Testament that they could refer to. They were teaching about Jesus from the Old Scripture. Are we able to teach about Jesus from the Old Scripture, the Old Testament? So as we talk about Jesus from any text... 
from any text talk about Jesus, bring the person back to the message of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus is Savior. A sixth lesson for us, so important. Lead the new believer to baptism, even to church. Lead the new believer to baptism and even to church. We read of the baptism of the eunuch here in the text. He sees water and what prevents me from being baptized? Some manuscripts add the fact that the eunuch, Philip asked the eunuchs, if you believe with all your heart, you may be saved, you may be baptized, sorry. And the eunuch responds, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That would have been the confession of the first believers. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But he did ask for baptism. And it's the baptism of the first non-Jew. And it's not the last. Well, if you're here and you're not baptized, what's preventing you from being baptized and asking to be baptized? And if you are here and you're baptized and you've never professed your faith, what's preventing you? We need to be like the eunuch again. We need to be like the eunuch and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and live out the God's promises, the promises of our baptism. But come back to our text again, the importance of baptism. The example, what we can learn from the example of Philip is the importance and even the necessity of baptism. We recall the words of Jesus Christ when he sent out the apostles, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is not sufficient just for someone to say, to read the Bible text. It's not sufficient for someone to say, that's interesting, I like that. It's not sufficient, as they say in some context, they said the believer's prayer. They did a prayer of repentance. That's all good. But as we read in the scriptures, the Lord adds to his church those who are being saved. Being baptized is being grafted into Christ but also being grafted into the body of Christ to belong to his church. Now, you will say to me, well, Pastor Bernard, the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way to Ethiopia. He didn't join the church. He's the exception that proves the rule. The rule is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. The Lord adds, added to his church those who are being saved. That's the normality. If someone is saved, they will join the church. So when you evangelize someone, keep following them, keep in contact with them until they join a faithful gospel preaching church. It's what I did as a pastor and evangelist. Many contacts, many people I shared the gospel with. Some seem to have confessed faith in Christ, but if they had not joined a gospel-believing church, I kept in contact with them, kept praying for them, kept contacting them again. Over the years, they need to be in the body of Christ. We all need to be in the body of Christ. Our work of evangelism is not done until they're in the body of Christ. And even then, it's not done. We need to keep growing in the knowledge of Christ and obedience to him. So lead the new believer to baptism and even to the church. And finally, the last lesson from Philip. As you go, evangelize. We have this peculiar text at the end. They come out of the water. And the Spirit takes the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The Ethiopian, sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch didn't see him again, went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus. It's the Old Testament city of Ashdod. You remember Ashdod? The city, one of the five cities of the Philistines. 
This is amazing. Philip goes down to the region of the Philistines, who are always the enemies of the Israelites, and there he goes and preaches the gospel. And he continues north and just until Caesarea, preaching the gospel in all the cities. He continues in Caesarea for the next 20 years. We find him again in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, where he's in Caesarea, preaching the gospel with his four daughters. Philip is always evangelizing. He's an ideal Christian missionary for us all. So be like Philip. Be inspired by him. Persevere in evangelism. Persevere in evangelism, looking for that one person that the Lord has placed upon your path. Persevere in evangelism by being attentive to the direction of the Spirit when He opens up an opportunity and gives you an opportunity to speak. Remember, the Spirit will give you the words, as Christ has promised. Persevere in evangelism, going to the person who seems very different, knowing that the Lord might save them. Ask questions, ask lots of questions, and then, and then wait for the question to explain your hope in Jesus Christ. And when you do answer, don't talk about yourself, talk about Jesus. Keep talking about the fullness of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And lead the new believer even to church, to baptism, to being received in the body of Christ. And then go on evangelizing with that new believer. Brothers and sisters, if there is one thing that inspires our evangelism, it's a new believer. They are so on fire for the Lord. They are filled with that joy of the eunuch. And they inspire our fire, our zeal for the Lord. So with your new brother and sister, go on evangelizing. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our Savior, Jesus Christ, our great prophet and teacher, our priest and sacrifice, and also our King who guides and protects us. And we thank you, the Almighty God, that in Jesus Christ we are also prophets. Prophets to confess the name of Jesus Christ. Prophets to teach the name and word of Jesus Christ. But even prophets to evangelize. Lord, you call us to be your witnesses in this world. You call us to give an answer for the hope we have in Christ Jesus. We admit, Lord, we are too often timid, too often bashful. We lack courage. We lack love for those who are lost. Forgive us, Lord. We pray, mighty God, that you would give us the zeal of Philip, that you would give us his zeal, Lord, to indeed share the gospel with each person you place upon our path. Give us wisdom, Lord, to know when to speak, how to speak, what questions to ask, and what answers to give. Your Lord, grant us also patience, perseverance, much prayer. We pray, almighty God, that through our testimony, you would be so good and kind to draw many to Christ Jesus. We know, Almighty God, that you have your people, your chosen elect people, even in this city, even in our neighborhoods, in our, our families, and in our workplaces. So, Lord, give us the confidence to teach the gospel, to share the word, and to give an answer for the hope we have. We ask all this for Christ's sake. Amen.